right. I hope that made you want to eat healthy, or at the very least, uh, a fresh start. This new year gives us a chance to start afresh, to, to move to a place of intentionality when it comes to our spiritual growth. But one of the greatest obstacles for really trusting God is our misperceptions of who he is. Now, I, some of you know my story. I grew up going to church, and I'm really grateful for that foundation. I grew up in Dallas, and I remember as a kid, we would go to Sunday school and to church, like three hours on a Sunday. It felt like forever. And then it got worse. My dad became a deacon, so all of a sudden, I had to also go Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. It was terrible. But it was in the context of youth group and going to church several times a week that I had an encounter with God. I actually came to know God as my heavenly father. But, you know, I didn't realize at the time how much of my view of God was really a a misperception of him based on my earthly dad. Many of you know my father passed away uh, just over a year ago, and I had just so many amazing memories of my father. In fact, I have some pictures of him and me and my brother, my mom. I'm the bigger one there. I had such blonde hair. I hated it. I wanted to have dark hair like my dad. Uh, But uh, you know what? You should be grateful for what you have (laughs) and not not mad about what you don't have. Uh, Here we are. And for some reason, I grew up in Texas, as I said, As I digitized photos for my mom, it's like every third picture, we had no shirts on. We did not wear (laughs) shirts growing up in Texas. Uh, There we are again. I'm not sure why I'm so dressed up. There I am in college. But I I have so many amazing memories of my father. He was always working so hard. I mean, I just knew he was doing his absolute best to provide for the family. And he was there for us coaching Little League, even though he didn't even know the rules for baseball. He was just a very present father in so many different ways. He's the kind of guy that in the middle of the night, if you had to get to the airport in an ice storm, he would take you there. He, he was uh, just so strong in so many different ways. But at the same time, I've shared with this before, but you know, my, my background is I'm part German, part Scottish, but all tightwad. That comes from my father. And my dad was always a bit stressed. And in part because he was an air traffic controller, one of the most stressful jobs you can have. And he was working so hard. But, but a lot of times I saw God as too busy for whatever I might need. Maybe uninterested or dealing with his own thing so that what I needed help with, I didn't necessarily go to him. I didn't see God as a God of abundance. Actually, my dad was so cheap as I was growing up. I literally thought we were poor. Uh, we were middle class, uh, but we didn't have cable, and I didn't get the fancy, you know, Izod shirt, so I must be poor is what I thought. But I think that in growing up and discovering more and more who God is, I was able to begin to distinguish between who I thought he was, and who he really wants to be for us. You know, most of us, if we're not careful, have a misperception of God. And it may not be just based on our 
earthly dads. By the way, we're not going to be talking about our dads for the next 30 minutes. Don't worry. But it could be a misperception based on what you've heard about God or how a youth leader or your mom or another extended family member expressed to you. But John Bishop in his book, God Distorted, said this, the ways your father behaved towards you, what he said to you, how he treated you, everything he did and didn't do had an impact on you in some way. Depending on how you were treated, mistreated, or just plain ignored, you have come up with your own ideas of what a father is like. Because of this, I am quite certain that how you see and perceive your heavenly father, God, has also been impacted, distorted even, by your relationship with your earthly dad. See, my heart for you today is that you would be better equipped to know God intimately and trust him completely. But one of those obstacles to knowing God intimately and trusting him completely is our misperception of who he is. So we're going to look at one of the most famous psalms in the scripture. It's possibly one you've memorized. Maybe you've heard at a funeral. And I don't want its familiarity to actually get in the way of missing the beauty of what this psalm actually has to say. And so I'm going to pray it over us. But before I do, I want to just create a space, a moment for you to connect with God on your own. Just in the silence, I just want you to ask God to show you who he really is. And maybe that's a new prayer for you. Maybe you're not sure about God. I want to just encourage you to try it. God, show me who you really are. Just for a moment, in your own heart, in your own mind, Just pray that prayer, and then I will pray this over the rest of us. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley, darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. So how does... Praying David's words in Psalm 23, help us know and trust God more. Well, first, we discover that contentment is found in the shepherd. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. What an incredible opening line. David, the one who wrote this psalm, the one who was described as having the heart of God, declares the reign and the lordship of God. In other words, he's declaring God as having ultimate authority in his life. And he's declaring that the Lord is his shepherd. Now, this is the first time the word shepherd is used to describe God in the Psalms. And it's a really beautiful term because David himself was a shepherd. He knew what it's like to care for sheep who were running off in every direction, who seemed to 
create chaos and harm everywhere they went. He was their protector and provider, their guide, their physician. And he uses this metaphor to describe the creator of the universe. He is our shepherd. We can come to the shepherd when we need rest, when we need refreshment, when we're confused, when we're afraid, when we're under attack. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Another way to say that is in the Passion Translation, which says, Yahweh is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. See, learning to see our Heavenly Father as a God of abundance, of providing for us. Maybe not everything we want, but what we need has been an incredible part of the journey for me. Understanding his heart for me, that he is there for me. He's not too stressed out for me. Now, this prayer is not a prayer of complacency. It's actually declaring contentment. It's not saying I'm never going to want anything. It's declaring, I know my needs and the longings of my soul are met in relationship with God. He's not some distant rock or shield. He's my guide, my protector. He's intimately connected to my well-being because he's my shepherd. It's so important for us to understand that we come to our shepherd in times when we need rest and refreshment because, number two, the shepherd's leadership brings peace. Verses 1 and 2, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. This prayer reminds us that sometimes God will institute rest for us, that he'll draw us into rest, that we wouldn't necessarily choose on our own, that sometimes God allows things into our life in order to slow us down. In the dryness that comes from a lack of spiritual discipline or in the chaos and the noise of striving constantly, being busy and anxious, he creates a space for rest. He leads me beside quiet waters. He's my shepherd, my best friend, and he knows what I need and actually fills my soul and refreshes my spirit so I can trust him. See, I used to come to God in prayer whenever I needed something, like a parking spot or an A on a test. And I want to encourage you to keep going to God when you need something, but I want you to, to really stretch your relationship with God to go beyond just calling out when you need him, calling out when you've messed up. Certainly do it then, but also learn to spend each day throughout the day in communion, in conversation with God. And I used to think of prayer as like this time where you kneel at the side of your bed at the end of the day, maybe the beginning of the day. But it typically for me, at the end of the day, I would kneel at the side of my bed and find myself asleep at the side of my bed, only to get up disappointed and to go back to sleep, laying down. But I've realized for me, what's helped me to really start to pray more beyond just the urgent times, but throughout 
each day and during the day is to journal, to write down my prayers to God, to pray while I'm driving, to pray while I'm walking, to invite others into a time of prayer. That we can go to God with the highs and the lows, but not only talking to him, but learning to listen to him. Psalm 23.3, he refreshes my soul. No one else, not the greatest spouse, not the best earthly dad, not the most loving mom, no one can refresh our soul. Not the greatest job, not the best of friends, not a child, nothing can refresh our soul but the one who created us for relationship with him. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Are we letting him guide us? Are we telling him what to do? We go to God and say, hey, I need this to work out. When if we come to him at the very beginning, he may have warned us not to even try to make that work out. This same verse in another version says, he opens before me the right path and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. See, God doesn't owe us anything, and yet his love for us proves his integrity and his faithfulness in our lives. Every good gift we experience in our life is a gift from God. Life, the ability to breathe, the ability to connect with others, even the good things we do at our work come because we've been given that capacity as a gift from God. And when you become overwhelmed with the chaos of our world and the brokenness of what we see around us, when you're in need of rest or guidance or your soul needs to be refreshed, start with God. Let Psalm 23 bring you back into his presence. It's also important for us to come to our shepherd in times of confusion and fear because number three, prayer is where God's omnipotence meets my incompetence. My helplessness. Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Some translations refer to the darkness as the valley of the shadow of death. Because the darkness can feel all-consuming. See, the crazy thing about darkness is how disorienting it could be. When you turn off all the lights in your room including the little light to guide you to the bathroom, you can find yourself groping around and having to move differently. All of a sudden, something that seemed familiar feels totally foreign. See, darkness distorts our vision and how we see things, but prayer is a place where we can vent our souls to God and bring more light into the moment. After a while, darkness can be, bring discouragement and even despair, but in prayer... We're connecting with our shepherd, and his presence can be felt. He can give us the courage that we might need because we're reminded of who he is to us. Part of the beauty of what we try to do on Sundays is create the space where we can connect with God through prayer, through the scriptures, or through singing. And what I love about singing, although I have to tell you, for years I would just say, 
something like, you know, that's just not my love language. Singing is not my way to connect to God. I, I love that it's a way for many others, but for me, I just let's get past that to the message. That's kind of how I grew up, kind of how I felt, until I found myself so desperate for God that I would begin to sing those words. It was here at Gateway in South Austin that I sang those words like a prayer, and I would sing words that did not match how I felt, but by the end of the song, I started to have hope again. I was declaring what was true about God, even though I didn't feel like it was true in my life. And the beautiful thing is these are elements that we bring together in our times on Sunday. They're elements that you can bring into your life every day, on your own, in a group. You don't have to go from Sunday to Sunday with no connection with God. God is present and wanting to reveal himself to you. His presence, his peace, his contentment. Number four, In his presence, I'm reminded of who I really am. Verse 5 says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. It's this switch in metaphors. David talks of him as a shepherd, but now it's more picturing God as a king. And it's this kind of a wild visual. Having dinner with the king even as looking in through the windows of the castle are our enemies. And our enemies may not be people. They may be anxiety. They may be a sense of hopelessness, despair, struggle. But think about it for a moment. At what point in the battle does the king typically prepare a feast around his banqueting table? The answer is in victory. See, even in the deepest darkness, surrounded by enemies who seek to destroy our joy or our peace, God sets a table, a fellowship, to share a meal, to stop, to rest, to be with him. This banqueting table does two very important things. First, it draws my attention away from always focusing too much on my enemies, And brings me back into the contentment, the rest, the peace, and security that I find only when I am with the shepherd. And two, it's not that it makes darkness disappear or eliminates opposition or battles for my life. It's that it draws the attention of evil and enemies to my connection with the one who created me. It reminds my enemies what they already know, that I am his and he is mine. See, as followers of Jesus, we're invited into a connection with God that is deeper than any earthly father, any parent, any spouse, any child, any best friend could ever offer us. When we were enemies, Christ died for us, reconciling us to God, bringing us in to his family. One of our global partners is musalaha, that means reconciliation. In the, it's in Arabic. It's a ministry started by Salim Munayr. Some of us had a chance to go there over the last several years to see and even participate in their work. They're taking the principles of Jesus and using it to bring reconciliation between 
Israelis and Palestinians, Jews and Muslims and Christians. And we're actually having the opportunity to have them here. Salim will be here the first week of February. Our Reconciliation and Justice Network is sponsoring his visit and opening the door for you to come and be a part of that reconciliation workshop to learn how to bring peace in your home, in where you work. You see, the beautiful thing is once we're invited into this relationship with God and we begin to experience his peace, his presence, his joy, his love, then we become conduits of that joy and peace and love to those around us. That's why we look to serve those who are refugees. We look to serve those who are in need. We look to serve those with whom we work, those to whom next door we live, bringing that light in the midst of the darkness they're experiencing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Listen to this beautiful passage from John chapter 10 where Jesus is speaking. Jesus says these words, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And then he says, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. So you and I can have access to the shepherd because he came for us, and his name is Jesus. Psalm 23, 6 says this, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, what I've discovered in the most difficult times in my life, when God felt so far away, felt far away from his peace from his presence the reality of the situation was my heart was far from him all it took was turning back to him coming to him in prayer asking for forgiveness asking to start afresh asking him to wipe away whatever is getting in between his peace and his presence in me it was never God distancing himself from me it was always me distancing myself from him. So we want to create a space in this moment to allow you to reconnect your heart to God. Or perhaps there are things that you've brought into this room that you need to surrender over to God. Or maybe that, what you need is to surrender your life, giving him the authority to lead and guide you, the place to be your source of rest pray for us. Heavenly Father, I ask you would move in this space. You would move in our hearts. That God, we would sense how much you love us. How much you want to be there for us. Forgive us for filling up our life with apps and shows and music and noise and not coming to you, the source of life, to find what our soul longs for. God, we surrender whatever it is that 
we're trying to handle on our own, we ask you because we are powerless to demonstrate your power. We need you, God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let this song be a time for you to connect your heart.